0: Seventeen years old, height five foot six inches. Lives at grandmother's house, but chooses to do things her own way. Special skills include baking, skipping, and cage fighting. Servant's heart, but a short temper. She is trained in the martial art of shin kicking. Her shin kicks have been known to be fatal. Even uses her hood as a weapon to blind the wolf to better kick him. In 2012, was recruited as the starting kicker for the Arizona Cardinals, but passed on the opportunity due to being late to grandmother's house. This little girl may look innocent, but she packs a mean punch. Okay, so I'm thinking I dated her sister for a while on the deal. Hey, uh, just a big shout out to our Santan campus, our Scottsdale campus, Men, so glad you guys are a part of this conversation that we're beginning today uh, called Out of the Woods. And it didn't take you long, you figured out that we're kind of using as a reference point the movie that's out right now uh, called Into the Woods. How many of you have seen it? Yeah. Okay, all right, good portion of us. So let me fill in the rest of us real quick. So, uh, Into the Woods is a movie that takes, uh, I think it's four fairy tales, combines the stories together, interweaves them, and basically comes up with kind of this one theme that's basically this, that each of the uh, fairy tale characters wants something they don't have. And uh, so, they're deeply dissatisfied. They, 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 they kind of think, that that's, that's the thing I need in order to be happy. And along comes the witch and says, look, I can provide that. I can, I can give you that. But in order to get that, you've got to go on mission for me. You've got to do something. And I'm going to send you into the woods. And you get, you get that into the woods is always a bad place to be. And ironically, uh, they go on mission. They accomplish what the witch asked them to do. They get the very thing. Uh, that they thought they had to have, that they needed it in order to be happy. And the problem is, in the process of getting it, they lose a lot. And every single one of them, after acquiring what they thought they'd so desperately need in their lives, would gladly give it back, would gladly trade it to go back to where their life was before they got into the woods. Matter of fact, one of the taglines on the movie simply says, Be careful what you wish for. You get that it's uh, possible to go into the woods in all sorts of arenas in our lives. Uh, some of us, some of us have gone into the woods occupationally. Uh, you find yourself maybe midway or further in your career, and you're going, This is not what I thought. This is not where I planned on being. When I was a kid, I didn't dream of doing this. And I made a decision here, and I thought I'd work there for a little while, and I thought, you know, I could put that off for… And all of a sudden, I'm sitting at a place, and I'm going, I, I'm in the woods occupation. I, and I'm not even sure how would I ever even get to what I originally imagined, what I originally aspired to. I don't even know. I'm so deep in the woods. It's possible to get into the woods spiritually, that you go, no, 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 I… I, I Maybe later on I'll, I'll acknowledge that verse. Maybe, maybe at some point I'll bring that part of my life into obedience and compliance, you know. Maybe eventually I'll forgive them for what they did, you know. Someday, you know, and, and, you know, devotions, you know, I know they're important, but, you know, I'll get to them eventually. And all of a sudden you find yourself in a place spiritually so dry, so far removed from the presence of God. You just go, man, I, I feel lost. I think I'm deep into the woods spiritually. And I I don't even know how to get out right now. Some of us have gotten in the woods relationally. You go, man, I've been dating the same type of guy over and over. I mean, what is it that attracts me to that type of man? And why, why do those relationships always end the same way with so much heartache and so much wound? And I've got like four of them in a row. And I mean, how did I get this deep into the woods? It's possible to get there morally. And you go, man, I... There was a point in my life I, I would have never made that decision. I would have never gone that far. I would have never done that. And now I man, I am, I am deep into the woods. Now here's what you gotta get. That every one of us, as we ventured in, every one of us started that journey with absolute confidence and assurance. See, we we said in our hearts, hey, this is where I am today, and this is where I'm hoping my life turns out. This is where I want to get eventually. And as we started, we said, I I think I've got a pretty good plan. I've I've got kind of a path figured out, and I'm going to stick to the path. And we all went with a lot of confidence, and somewhere, somehow, we ended up into the woods. Based on decisions we made, based on detours that we took. We're going to talk a little bit for the next couple weeks about being into the woods financially. And how did we get there? What does that mean? What would it look like to get out of the woods? And here's the interesting part about this. Of all the areas of our lives in which we get into the woods, this one ought to be the simplest to never get into the woods, to avoid being in the woods. Because here's the deal. You know what your income is. You know how much you make. And every single dollar you spend, you made a decision. You sent that dollar wherever that dollar went. Matter of fact, someone said one time, every dollar has a name on it, and you gave it the name. That dollar's named car. That dollar's named house payment. That dollar's named entertainment. And you gave it the name. And and here's what you need to know as we have this conversation. This conversation isn't about getting something from you, it's not what we're doing, it's about getting something for you. The the heart of this moment is not about, hey, I just wanna figure, you know, we got a new building we're gonna do, and guys, we're not expanding the building program, let me just say that out loud, it's not what we're doing this is about getting something for you. This is about finding peace in an area of of a bunch of our lives. If this room is true to the current stats in America, over half this room is in the woods financially. And this is about finding some margin in your life, taking some pressure off your marriage, not living hand to foot. Because here's the deal. I believe if you and I can get out of the woods, it's going to be so much easier for you to be generous. It's going to be so much easier for you to be obedient to God. It's not about what we can get from you. It's not, that's not the conversation. It's about what can be for you, okay? So here we are. I put, I put a little uh, list together of things for you to consider that, that if they're true might indicate that you're in the woods uh, financially. Here we go. If you spend more than you make, I'm just thinking, you might be in the woods. (laughs) If you don't know if you spend more than you make, you're definitely in the woods, okay, just saying. If You don't know. If you don't care that you spend more than you make, you are deep in the woods. Um, If you are paying the minimums on your charge cards, you're in the woods. If you thought paying the minimums on your charge cards was good fiscal planning, You're in the woods. Okay, you just just say it. If you have no method of tracking where your finances go, in other words, if someone were to ask you and say, "Hey, uh, you know, where did your money go this month, and how how did you end up with that balance in your bank account," and if your answer begins with, "Well, it seems to me," you're in the woods. If you have a financial dream. In other words, you go, I'm going to retire at 65, or I, you know, I'd I, I like to have my house paid off. You have a financial dream, but you have no plan. You're in the woods. Because you, you get it. You get, you get that, that all of us get caught up in the someday, one day scenario, where we go, look, you know, I know, I know, I know. I know I should be saving more. I know I should be investing more. I know I should be paying that down. And I know, I know, I know. Someday, one day. I'll 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 get control of that. I'll get ahead of that, and I'll start doing that. And, and look, you're in your 20s, and someday one day seems a million miles away. And then you get to 25, 27, you go, no no no, there's there's probably a margin for someday one day. And then you get to your 30s, and you go, no 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 no, no, no I still got room. I know it's getting a little later somewhere. And then you get to your 40s. I don't know about you. I turned 40. I stopped counting how old I was, and started thinking about how many years I had left. I'm just telling you. And, and, if, and if your financial plan right now is someday, one day, uh, you're probably in the woods. Uh, if you make $75,000 a year in household income, in other words, you and your spouse combined, however that works, you make $75,000 a year in household income and you feel pressure financially, you're in the woods. You go, well, how can you even say that? I mean, where did did you get that arbitrary number? Do you realize that if you make $75,000 a year combined income in your household, you are in the top 1% wealthiest people in the world? Let me say that again. If you have $75,000 combined income in your household, you are in the top 1% wealthiest people in the world. There, there are people all through this world, you, you know, the median income in, of household income in the world is less than $10,000 a year annually. And that the vast majority of the world would look at you with a $75,000 income and go, are you kidding? In one year, one year, that would take me a decade to touch that much money. If I had that much money, I would never have a concern. I would never have, I would throw a block party if I had that type of income. And if you are living, if if you have $75,000 a year, if you're in the top 1% wealthiest people in the world, and you're feeling pressure, let me just say to you, that pressure is artificial. And you go, whoa, no, 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 (laughs) I can promise you that pressure is real. No, it's not. You've created that pressure. You've made decisions, you've you you've gone places, you've stepped into the woods far enough and you have generated an artificial pressure in your life that you absolutely do not have to have. It's not real. You don't have to have it. If you have made financial decisions that you're hoping your spouse never finds out about, you're in the woods. If you have made financial decisions you're hoping the IRS never finds out about, you're in the woods. Okay. If you're married and you're fighting about finances, anybody want to guess what the number one source of conflict with married couples is? Anyone want to guess what the number one is? It's money. It's money. I'm just going to tell you, Lisa and I have an amazing, amazing, remarkable marriage. We've been married 33 years. Did you know the only place that we ever have any sense of conflict with? It happens whenever we begin to go into the woods a little bit with our finances. And I'm just going to say, you you, want to hear this? Every bit of that tension, every bit of that argument, every bit of those words that got exchanged between the two of you, 100% avoidable. If you hadn't gone in the woods. And so here's the heart of it. We're, we're just going to have a conversation in the next couple of weeks, and look, I'm just going to beg you to stay with me. I'm going to beg you to be part of it, because this is not about what, what anybody wants from you. It's about what we want for you. And we're gonna have a, what would it mean to get out of the woods? What would it mean to lose all that tension? What would it mean to have all that pressure gone from your life? Because your life would be different if you weren't in the woods financially. You now look, I, I know there's probably some people in this room, you're not even a Christ follower yet. You haven't even figured out Jesus and you're going, man, I don't think I even want to talk about this. Uh, I don't even understand why something so secular as money is being talked about. It doesn't even seem like those two things belong. Now, here's what I'm going to encourage you. Even if you're pre-Jesus and even if your answer right now is, I will never have Jesus in my life. Because this series is not about getting something from you, this series is about getting something for you. It's helping you get out of the woods financially. I'm just going to say to you that even a non Christian, somebody who hasn't figured out Jesus, this is going to be hugely beneficial for your life. To be able to create margin, to take the tension, to take the pressure on, this is going to be so helpful for you. And for those of us in this room who are Christ followers, this conversation this conversation is essential to your Christian faith. You cannot follow Jesus and not land this conversation. You cannot follow Jesus from the woods. So we're just going to process it. Matter of fact, you ready for this? Jesus, Jesus spent a huge time talking about this very topic that you and I are going to talk about. How many of you would agree that heaven is a fairly important spiritual topic. How many of you say heaven's probably an important spiritual topic? Okay, most of us agree. How many of you say hell is probably a fairly important spiritual topic? Okay. Did you know, think about this, think about this. Jesus talked more about finances than he did about heaven and hell combined. And guys, 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 not because he wanted something from you, because he wanted something for you. He, he wanted you to have a sense of peace that you cannot know when you're in the woods. Funny. He wanted you to have a relationship with God that was so close and so intimate and so vibrant you can't have when you're leaning into your dollars instead of leaning into God. Matter of fact, Jesus in his entire ministry never asked anybody for money except one time. One time he asked for money. He borrowed a coin, said, hey, uh, whose image is on this coin, used it as a sermon illustration, and handed the coin back. So if this helps you, Jesus' heart in this is not about getting something from you. It's about getting something for you that if you're in the woods financially, you are not experiencing in your walk with God. As a matter of fact, grab your Bibles. Let's go take a look. Let's let Jesus uh, talk to us for a few moments this morning. Because he's going to tell you and I that this is a priority conversation for anybody who says they're a follower of Jesus Christ. Grab your Bible. It's Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. If you're not familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible and work to the left, you're going to find this book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. Here's what's interesting because we're going to look at a couple verses together. And, and as we do this, you're going to find, if you've got a red letter Bible, which red letter Bibles are the ones that have the words of Jesus in red, they're all in red. This isn't, this isn't Pastor Lynn's idea. This isn't Cornerstone's conversation. This is what Jesus, the one that you and I follow, said about this topic, which means it, it's something you and I can't ignore and can't shove to the side because our Lord and Savior said, this is… What you and I need to know about being in the woods. Here we go. It's Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Here's what Jesus said, real quick. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever you put your money, wherever you invest, wherever that is, your heart will be right behind it. Matter of fact, you can turn that around. Wherever your heart is, that's where you'll put your money. So simply put, simply this. Show me your bank statement. I'll tell you what you love. Show me your checkbook. I'll show you what you believe. And Jesus said, those two things cannot be separated. You cannot say, I love God, but my checkbook doesn't, re- doesn't reflect it. Jesus said, that's just impossible. And you say, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 what? this feels a little bit like a test. This feels a little bit like Jesus is kind of going, hey, uh, prove that you love me. You got it. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Jesus is saying, put your money where your mouth is. You say you love me, show me. Okay, let let me see if this helps. My guess is that every single one of us in this room, at some point, you've been flipping through the channels and you landed on one of those reality TV show talk shows. And I know, I know, I know, I know, you're a Christ follower and you never watch them or anything else and... and, uh, I'm not going to ask anyone to show me your You Are the Father t-shirt. You don't have to do that, okay? I get it. But, but here's what happens on those shows, because we've all had this experience. You're sitting there, and you're watching a boyfriend, and they bring him out at the beginning, and, he, and they say, okay, so why are you here today? He says, well, I've been cheating on my girlfriend. Well, what happened? Well, I was sitting on the couch with her cousin. Yeah, I, we, I was out at a bar, and there was this girl, and she was dancing, and wow, I'm just telling you. It was amazing. And I... How many times? I have oh, seven girls. She cheated seven girls. But, you know, I, I'm ready to commit to my girlfriend now. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So I'm going to tell her today. So now they bring the girlfriend out. And the girlfriend comes out and he goes, look, hey, you know, honey, I just want to tell you, I was sitting on the couch with your cousin and woo, you know, and, and then I was out at the bar and, you know, I, I, and then that happened. And, and she goes, well, why did, I'm a man. I'm a man. That's what happened. I'm a man. And what, what do you expect me to do, right? But here's the thing, baby, 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 baby. I love you. I love you. And in that moment, in that moment, she turns and she says, oh, well, if you love me. No, no, all your actions have been just the opposite. I mean, everything you've done is completely antithetical to that idea. But if you're telling me you love me, then okay, I'll take you back. And at that moment, you and I are screaming at you, going, dumb girl! What are you thinking? If you won't even get out of the studio. He'll be with another girl. Sometimes. Every, every once in a while, there's a smart girl. Then when he says, no, I was sitting on the couch with your cousin and I messed around and I was at the bar and I did that and there's been seven girls. And, and, and he says, but I love you. I love you. And she says, no, you don't. No, you don't. You, I'm. I am so done. Get out of my life. There's no way because I don't care what your words say. Your actions are so anti. Your actions are so screaming loud. You don't love me. I'm Christian and I'm walking through the wall and I'm just telling you that blouse. That blouse just said my name. I was just there, and it was like it floated through the display window, and I said, oh, I got to have that blouse. No, I know, I know. I haven't been faithful in my giving. I know I haven't, I haven't trusted God with my… No, 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 but that blouse. Dude, look, I'm just going to tell you, a Corolla, a Corolla does not support my style. I, I cannot be the man driving a Corolla. I'm thinking six-inch lift kit. I'm thinking black… Mint, you know. No, I know, I know, I know. I, I know I haven't been obedient in the, in the financial part of my life. With you. No, I know, I know, I know. I know, I know. But I'm just telling you, I needed to upgrade my ride. No, 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 no. no. Three bedrooms would have been fine. I mean, three bedrooms would have covered everything that we need. But four? Four? I mean, do you realize how many options four bedrooms gives you? but I love God. No, no, no. I mean, God, you're the first love of my life. You're the most important thing in my life. No, no, no. God, 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 you come ahead of everything else. Here's what you need to know. Here's what Jesus is saying. I am not the dumb girl. I'm not the dumb girl. You can't say to me, I love you, and then have this part of your life just scream but I'm going to do this for myself. I'm going to be selfish in this regard. I'm not going to trust you with. I am not the dumb girl. Where your treasure is, there's where your heart is. That's why Jesus says this is such a critical conversation. This isn't about what I want from you. It's what I need to know about you. There's a second passage where Jesus has a conversation with us about finances. It's Luke chapter 16. So if you've still got your Bibles open, you're going to work to the right. It's Luke chapter 16. If you closed your Bibles, go to the back, work to the left. Luke chapter 16, verse 13, here's what it says. No one, let me say it again, no one, which I'm thinking means most people. Just a thought. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. Now, here's what you need to know about hate. Hate here is not about despising. Hate is here saying, if you make me choose between the two, the other one wins every time because I love that master. I will do whatever that master and you will always lose. You will either hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Ready for this? You cannot serve both God and… Next word. Okay, whoa, 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 this is, this is freaky here, this is wild, because here's what I'm thinking, shouldn't Jesus have said, you cannot serve God and Satan? is that what he should have said? You can't serve, you can't serve God and serve the world. But instead, Jesus, without making a mistake, right, Jesus said, look, 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 here, here's going to be the issue of lordship in your life. You cannot serve two masters, you're going to choose a master, and let me tell you the two masters you're going to have to figure out in your life, it's going to be God, it's going to be money. Those are the two competing masters for your life. Isn't that interesting? Every once in a while, I have a Christian who comes to me and they're kind of wrestling this part of being in the woods through in their life. They're going, okay, Lynn, I I get it, I get it, I get it. But I got to get out of the woods. I mean, I got to start moving in the right direction. So here's what I'm wondering. I've got all this debt. That's what's killing me right now. I got all this debt hanging over my head. So what I'm wondering is, should I pay my debt off and then be give to give my tithe in obedience to God? Should I, you know, pay that off first and then, you know, work on this next? And for those of you that are brand-new Christians or maybe you're not even a Christ follower yet, a tithe is just simply what a Christian does when they take the first 10%, not the, the first 10% of what God gave them and simply give it back to God before they spend anything on themselves, and they just simply say, God, look, here's the deal. I know you gave it to me, so it wasn't mine in the first place, so I'm going to honor you with that. I'm going to acknowledge it was yours in the first place. I'm going to say this. I love you more than anything I could buy with that 10%. There, there is no TV. There is no car. There's nothing I could buy with that that I love more than you, so I'm going to give you that back first. That's a tithe. So here's a and the Christian, and they go, you know, Lynn, I'm just wondering, should I pay off my debt first? Should I honor God in the tithe first? And I'm, I just want to go, You're asking a pastor? You're asking this question? I'm a pastor? Because I'm just going to say to you, not even as a pastor, as a Christ follower, this answer to me just is so obvious. I I don't even understand why we're burning brain cells on this yet. And so here's what I say here's what I say Look, 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 look. I'll tell you which one to pay first. Pay the one you're more worried about disappointing first. So if you're worried about Visa and them kind of going, boy, you're not a good person and I don't like you, or if you're worried about disappointing God, pay the one that you're most worried about disappointing first. Pay the one you love the most first. So so if, if, if Visa is your best friend, pay him for it. Pay the one that's Lord of your life first. And I'm just going to what you realize is exactly the conversation Jesus says. You cannot have two masters. You're going to make a decision. It's either me. Or it's money. And guys, guys, again, here's what you got to hear. This is not about Jesus getting something from you. This is about Jesus getting something for you. And he knows that as long as you trust your money and lean into your money before you lean into and trust God, as long as your money is Lord of your life before God is Lord of your life, you will never live a fulfilled Christian life. Because you guys ready for this? It is absolutely impossible to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and struggle with money. It's absolutely impossible to be fully surrendered, fully committed to following Jesus and be in the woods financially. And so Jesus just says, look, this is is a big deal. This is a huge conversation. And it's not about getting something from you. It's about getting something for you and getting you out of the woods. And in this regard, spiritually. Okay, let's talk for a second. How did did we get into the woods in the first place? What is it? And why do so many of us venture into this place where there's so much turmoil and tension and crud? How did did this happen in the first place? And guys, bottom line, and here's what you got to get. You and I got here. You and I went into the woods because we were fundamentally discontent. We were. There there was something, there was something in our life that didn't feel quite right. There there was something that felt a little bit lacking. There there was a part of us that said, I I don't know that I feel fully fulfilled. There's something that I need to be as happy as I need to be. And I need to find that thing. And it is absolutely discontent that drove you and I into the woods looking for the thing that we didn't have, but we were absolutely sure we needed in order to be satisfied. Which means two things happen in our lives, two things. Number one is simply this. Many of us, many of us begin to live at 100% of our income. We just said, look, if this is what I have, then that's what I'm gonna spend in order to acquire what I need and what I'm still lacking in my life. Grab your Bibles real quick. Last time. Grab your Bibles. Proverbs. If you open your Bible to the middle, you're going to find the book of Psalms. Proverbs is going to be a hair to the right. Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 21. Middle of the Bible, head to the right. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 21. Now here's what you've got to consider, okay? Proverbs is written by the wisest man who ever walked the face of the earth. I'm just thinking if I was going to consult somebody about getting out of the woods, it might be Solomon. Wisest man ever walked the face of the earth. Here's what he said. Okay, you ready? Proverbs chapter 20, verse 21, verse 20. The wise store up for uh, store up choice food and olive oil. So here's here's what he's saying. When the wise have something, they take part of what came in and they set it aside and they store it. Get the principle. When something comes in, they knowingly, they purposefully take part of what came in and they set it aside and store it. That's what wise people do, Solomon says. But, you ready? But fools gulp theirs down. Fools say, no, 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 no. This, this is what my income is. This is how much I have. So that's how much I'll consume. Right, that's what's coming in. So that's what I'll spend. And so the problem is for many of us, you get to the end of the month and you go, wow, whew, we better hang on the last couple days because I don't, whew. You know what? I don't know. And then all of a sudden there's a bill. We better put it on the charge card. Because, you ready for this? Because this is what you have coming in And you've elected into a lifestyle that causes you to spend everything that comes in. You're living here with absolutely no margin. God forbid that you go to the doctor because immediately what you spend will exceed what you have coming in. God forbid that your tires run out. And here's what Solomon's saying. The wise person. The wise person sets some aside. The wise person has this coming in, but they live on this. They create a margin in their lives. Here's what Solomon is saying. Here's your income. Learn to live on a percentage of your income. Learn to live, say, hey, this is what I have planned and set up. This is what I intend to spend. And this is margin for whatever of life happens. Because, you ready for this? Happy face. When you begin to live at 100% of your income, happy face ain't so happy anymore. (laughs) Marriage ain't so good anymore. Life gets tension-filled. Why is this surprising? And you and I, as we journeyed in the woods, said, there's something I need in the woods, and I'm I'm, going to spend everything I have trying to get it. And one of the things that you and I are going to come back in the next few weeks, and guys, that's why you're going to stay with us, is that you and I, along the way, we're going to make a commitment together to live on a percentage of our income, that we're going to say, look, I'm going to give my, a percentage to God first. I'm going to give a percentage to myself first so that I have options and margin and vacations and things I can do because I've given a percentage. And then I'm going to choose to willingly live on a percentage of my income. And it's going to change the whole conversation. Second thing, second way we got in the woods is simply this. You and I believed that somehow the acquisition of stuff was going to make us happy. We, we believed at the end of the day that somehow the one with the biggest pile wins. Which, guys, I mean, that, you realize how stupid that is, right? You acquire a whole bunch of stuff. When you die, what happens to your stuff? You ready for this? Somebody else gets it. And they didn't even earn it. And they'll probably waste it. And guys, we know this in our hearts, right? We know that we, we, we know what we know. We go, I know, I know, I know, I know that getting stuff doesn't make me happy. Really? Because it doesn't look that way. Because if you look at the lifestyle that, that most of us live, we live always reaching out and, and saying, look, you know, if, if I could just have that, if I could, if, if I could just have a little bit better car, I mean, you know, the neighborhood I'm in is not so great. And the school district's not so good for the kids. And if I could just move to an, if I could get the magic beans, then, then I would be good. And we live our lives always reaching for that next thing that somehow if we had that, our life would feel full. Our life would feel complete. And so we do. And here's the deal. Every once in a while, you get it. And guys, here's what's so seductive about this. There is a moment, there is a moment when you sit in that brand new car in the leather. <sighs> it just feels great. It feels amazing. And there's something that goes, man, that was good. There, there's, there's a moment when you're moving the furniture into the bigger and the better house or, uh, you know, when, when you bring the 70-inch screen TV home and guys like, look, look. look. I'm not saying any of that's bad. I got a big TV. I'm just saying that can't be what you look to to satisfy yourself. Because here's the deal. Even if it feels really good in the moment, what do you know? It wears off. And it wears off quick. And the second it wears off, you and I jump on and go, well, may, maybe it's the next thing. Maybe it's the next thing I need, and that will be the thing that will satisfy me. Let me ask you a question. When is enough enough? When's enough enough? What, what is it you would have to get to that it would be okay? Because here's what you already know before I even finish the question. There's no such thing. Everybody who has what you think you need to be satisfied and they've gotten it ahead of you, guess what they're thinking in their hearts? I just need a little more. I can remember, I can remember being 22. I'm driving through the bank. I'm getting ready to make a deposit at the teller. And as clear as I'm standing here today, this thought goes through my mind. If I could ever be in the place where my income was $2,000 a month, man, I'd have made it. You already know that answer. You don't even have to ask. You know that answer. It wasn't enough. So I'm going to ask you a question. When's enough enough? Because it's not. You think? You and I live in a culture. You're not even a culture that keeps saying to us, one more thing, one more thing, and you'll be happy. Think about the pressure that you and I live under that our grandparents. Our great-grandparents never experienced, because you take us back past TV, no shopping malls, no internet, you're out there living on the farm, you don't even know what you don't have. (laughs) And you and I spend every, you guys can't even turn it on the TV, we can't even get on the, and they're going, if you need this, and boy, you got to have that, and boy, this is the most important thing in your life. And we spend our lives going, man, if I could, here's the thing. When I bought my iPhone 3, I had no idea I needed an iPhone 6. (laughs) I am so thankful to Apple for helping me out. (laughs) Think about this. What if the reason that the magic bag of beans, that, that next thing you need doesn't satisfy, is because the ache that you're experiencing isn't physical. So there is no physical thing that's going to fill that void. Isn't this the same thing we say to people who abuse drugs? We say to them, oh, 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 okay. this is why this is deadly for you. This is why this is such a horrible mistake. I get it. I get that when you shoot up. I get that when you swallow that. I I get that when you booze it up. For a moment, for a moment, it feels good. I get it. But it's temporary. And then it wears off. And suddenly you gotta have more. And this is a never-ending cycle of destruction in your life. How is it that it's so clear when it's drugs, but when it's consumerism and stuff, you and I go, oh, no, 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 this is healthy living. This is the American dream. What if, what if the reason this is a never-ending cycle is because there is nothing you can buy that's gonna fill the ache of your heart? And what if, what if, okay, I'm just, I'm done. What if ultimately that feel of discontent Is a spiritual issue. What if? I, 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 what if? Then you're never gonna find it here. It's only gonna be when you step out of the woods and begin to go this way that that ache is gonna change. And I know, I know, I know, I know a whole bunch of you going, ah, oh, ah, oh. that's the pastor answer. Ah it's just ah. <laughs> And I'm just gonna tell you a lot, I'm just gonna tell you right now. Yuck It does not even seem fun. I mean <laughs> BMW Jesus. I can tell you which one's sexier, okay? I'm just telling you. I get I get, I get it. Let me see let me see if this helps a little bit. So years ago, I'm having the talk with Joshua. You know what I mean by the talk, right? The talk. And here's the deal. You always want to have the talk before boys figure out that they like girls. Because if you wait till after that, it's probably too late. So here's Josh. He's, I think he was 10 years old. We're driving down the road in the car, and I just said, Josh, I have a couple things I need to explain to you and describe. And uh, I did in a reasonable amount of detail. To which Josh immediately said, ooh. Yuck. Dad, girls are gross. I'm never, I'm never, I'm never even gonna kiss a girl. Yuck. I continued driving the car with a smile on my face. Because here's what I knew. Here's what I knew. Hey, Josh. I'm on the other side of this conversation, and it's good. That's all I'm saying. It's, just, it's good. And if you ever come to this side, you don't want to go back to where they have cooties again. You just, you just don't go back. As you sit in this moment with absolute trepidation and fear and go, Lynn, God, no, 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 I can't, I can't get off the treadmill. I can't, I can't, I can't. I could never get to that side. I stand here with a smile because here's what I'm going to tell you. I have never met the Christian who got out of the woods and began, instead of leaning into their dollars, leaning into Jesus. Instead of loving their stuff, fell in love with God in a whole brand new, fresh, exciting... I have never had one go back. I'm just telling you, this side, is so much better than that side. So you what gonna do, here's what gonna do. This is what we, we leave here, so you kind of first push in, and guys, here's what I'm gonna say to you. You're gonna to wanna to be here for the rest of the series because the series is not about what anyone can get from you. The series is about what we can get for you because I honestly believe if, if you can get out of the woods, being generous is gonna be easy. Obeying God is gonna be easy for you. So we're gonna talk about how to get you out of the woods. It's gonna be hugely helpful for you. But here's the first homework. Here's the first assignment. This week, I'm going to challenge you. Every time you spend money, everything you spend money on, just take the receipt, stick it in an envelope at home. Just stick it in an envelope. Just for a week. And at the end of the week, I want you to pour that all out. Just go, I just want to get a, a beginning sense, a beginning idea of where it's going. Because here's what I'm going to tell you. I think you're going to be surprised. I think you're going to be amazed at how much of your resource Slips through your fingers, and you had no idea where it all went. So, grab a receipt, it's real simple. Stick it in an envelope. End of the week, you're going to pour it in the middle of the table. You and your spouse, if you're married, if you're single, you're going to pour it in the middle of the table. You're just going to take a look, and you're going to put them in a little category. I spent this much on coffee this week. I spent that. Where did it all go? It's our first step to moving out of the woods. Let's fire our heads. Hey dear Lord Jesus, we just we come to you in a moment. You've said that this 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 is this is a critical conversation. This is, this is a conversation that I cannot follow you and avoid. And God, I love the fact that this isn't about getting something from us. This is about getting something for us, this is about finding peace. This is about taking all that tension, all that trepidation in my life and removing it. It's about taking tension between a husband and a wife and just taking it off the place. It's not even a conversation anymore. God is about getting out of the woods. And so we're just going to simply ask that we, would, that we would at least consider the journey, that, that every one of us who calls Cornerstone home would look for the path to get out of the woods.